Welcome to the podcast, How to Be Well and Strong. I'm your host, Jacqueline Genova, and I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with some of the leading figures in the fields of wellness, integrative medicine, and mental health, as we discover what it truly means to be well and strong in both body and mind. Get ready to be empowered, inspired, and motivated about being an advocate for your own health. We know it's important to eat a healthy diet, take vitamins, and consume the right number of calories to fuel exercise and boost cardiovascular health. Many of us are willing to pay a premium for organic whole foods and monthly gym memberships. We even spend top dollar on premium-priced organic clothing and sheets, all in the name of healthier living. That's all great, beneficial, and essential to living a better life. However, it's truly surprising how few people stop to think about the bigger picture, their living environment. Join me as I speak with Jen and Rusty Stout, founders of JS2 Partners Healthy Home, as we discuss the many different factors that go into creating a healthy home. Jen and Rusty released their first book in the fall of 2022, entitled Healthier Homes. The couple also debuted their new retail site, healthierhomes.com, featuring natural furnishings, organic decor, and their new line of non-toxic healthier paints. Since then, they have become nationally recognized leaders in healthy home building and home design. Without further ado, here's our conversation. First of all, so happy to finally see you both. I know, Jen, you and I have connected via Instagram and email, but I'm just a huge fan of you both and your work. So thank you for accepting the invite. And I'm really excited for our conversation. Us too. Thank you. This will be good. (laughs) So just to start, you both created this absolutely incredible comprehensive book titled Healthier Homes. And I have it here with me. I have it marked up on essentially every single page. It is incredible. And I recognize that we can't cover everything within this one episode, right? But I wanted to start by maybe perhaps going through a high level list of what to be aware of or things to keep in mind when building a healthy home. Okay. Ooh, <clears throat> lots to think about. <laughs> I guess if you're starting from the very beginning, you're looking at locations and you know what's around you, paying attention to are there factories down downwind or upwind from you, or are there people like drilling for oil or farmland? <laughs> like there's a lot of different things that people just don't think about, like power lines. Yeah, EMF. I mean there's a lot of property out there that's perfectly suitable, but it's just important to like, like with the power lines, you can buy a little EMF meter because EMF is something that's like a chronic exposure. And over time, it's shown to cause cancers and things like that. So um, also noise pollution, like highways, airports, train stations, things that you kind of like tune out, but it's still a stressor on your body. So, I mean, really starting with the land and looking at like, Soil too, soil quality. If it's yeah. rocky, it's going to be more expensive to build on. There's also, you know, the you know radon considerations are mm-hmm. are a big deal. Um, uh, we we are in the area we're at now. It's kind of a Texas doesn't have a lot of radon, but we're in like this little pocket <laughs> that we do. Mm-hmm. So we we did a kind of a, a passive radon system in our in our build. But there are tests you can buy, like you can put it on a site for. I don't remember mm-hmm. how long it was. It take like three days or something. Yeah, and it'll it'll measure the radon levels, and so it's a good way to. If someone's worried about that, there's also maps online. I think that show, you know, different pockets of radon, and you know, it's like mountainous areas like Colorado, Nevada. 
places like that. And then it's also easily mitigated if you build appropriately for it. Interesting. And you also mentioned noise pollution too in your book. Could you touch on that? Yeah. Um, so like living next to the airport, I, that's where I live in Dallas. For instance, there were every two minutes, there was an airplane that would fly overhead. And after a while, your body just tunes it out. But it's actual like stressor on your body. And the constant stress is something that builds up over time, which is a part of how we approach building is to limit the amount of stress on your body so you can be well and focus and be creative. And, you know, it's like things that continue to build. So, of course, like living next to the highway, like I had mentioned, train stations, subways, like what else is noisy? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. But like Jen said, I mean, you're... It, your mind will kind of trick you. Your It will turn off those noises after about 10 or 15 minutes, but it's still stressing your body. And so that's that's kind of where, you know, insulating your home good is is, is a way to, to eliminate a lot of that. Using really nice windows or good quality windows will, will eliminate some of that. But because, I mean, I mean, we understand it's not always possible to find that perfect lot out in the middle of nowhere away from, from mm-hmm. everything. People do live in cities. And so there's ways to work around it. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, here, so I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm in an apartment building. I'm about a 15-minute drive from the airport, which originally I was like, this is great. I can just hop on a plane to go home. And now I'm rethinking, hmm, do I actually really want to be this close? Right. But it's okay. It's it's temporary for now. Um, but anyway, I, I probably should have started with this, but the concept of healthier homes is something that I've become incredibly interested in over the past several years, particularly as I've been more acutely aware of how my environment is really impacting my health, which I know resonates with you both, especially you, Jen. So with that, I would love if you both could maybe share a bit more about your backgrounds and how you essentially found yourself in this very unique and needed space. Um, it was a little over 10 years ago, I was at SMU doing my MBA and I was like always healthy and nothing was ever wrong with me. And suddenly I had rashes and my hair started falling out and like, I just was tired all the time. I was like, what is happening? What is going on? I had seen a bunch of different doctors and nobody knew what was wrong with me. They thought I had like lupus and put me on medications for that just made things worse. Turns out um, I found a really horrific black mold problem behind the walls of my, it was like a new apartment too. Um, So that was, that was an indication like, okay, maybe this is what's going on with me. I found an environmental doctor in Dallas and they tested me. I had high levels of mycotoxins in my body, which are the metabolites from mold. They're carcinogens. They're terrible. They, they derail your immune system or my immune system And that's when I started to learn I had become allergic to everything, like my clothes, my makeup, like not even like trees, grass, weeds, sure, but like foods, basically my environment around me and um, chemicals were the worst. And that was really the toughest part is like, okay, now I need to find a place to live. And if it was new, then I would react to the amount of formaldehyde and everything else that you find in new builds today. Or if it was a little bit older, there was some little bit of mold in the HVAC or in the showers. It's like, okay, well, maybe like there's someone that builds healthy homes and it didn't exist. And so 
I was like, I guess I need to do this myself. <laughs> and I'm a marketing person. This is, I'm not a builder. So I set out and like researched everything, like got all the different materials and would like put them next to my bed to like sleep next to them and see if they would bother me. And um, I built my first healthy home. And shortly after that, that was in Houston, I moved to Central Texas where we are now because I got a job at the Hill Country Builders Association as the director. And that's where I met. Rusty. So long story short, we started dating, got married, and he's a longtime general contractor. And so he... Um, Perfect match. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> why don't we start building houses? It was, like, you're kind of, you cut out a lot of that story. I but. did. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's the short version. Yeah, but no, I, when I met Jen and learned about her situation, even before we started dating, I mean, it was kind of inspiring to know that you know, ever, you know, nine people out of 10 probably would have just given up. It's like, man, my, my life is going to be this, this is going to be my life forever. I'm going to have to keep moving and, and dodging this problem. And Jen really said, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a place for myself. And so, um, and it worked, I got well. (laughs) Yeah. And so at the time I had a commercial general contracting firm and I ended up selling it and told Jen, it's like, this is, what we should do this. I think, I think building healthy homes is a good business. And so that was five or actually six years ago. Almost seven. And on January 18th. No. Okay. January 18th, 2018, we founded yeah. JS2 Partners. And, and so six years ago, and it's really beyond our expectations has taken off. So. That's incredible. It's so funny, Jen, even prior to my meeting you, I remember I was just sitting with my mom one day because I was just going through like all the things I needed for my apartment, recognizing that I wanted, you know, a zero VOC couch and furniture and whatnot. And I had this like a similar concept in my mind. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool just to like build a completely non-toxic home? I mean, obviously I don't have a rusty, maybe one day we'll, we'll see if I come in contact with maybe a doppelganger. Yeah, but um, it's, it's a really fascinating concept. And one thing you touched on that I think is really interesting that obviously I didn't necessarily realize until recently is that people usually think that new houses are the best, right? But clearly that's not necessarily always the case as you just, you know, as you experience, Jen, because things like VOCs and whatnot, um, you know, those all affect our health. So can we perhaps maybe go through like the pros and cons of buying new versus a slightly older home? And if someone opts for buying an older home, what are some ways to make it a healthy home? Sure. So, for for new construction, I mean, the bulk of the new homes sold are going to be what we would call production home. They're not going to be custom homes. And so their main goal is speed and cost reduction. And so what that means is every product in that home is going to have some sort of formaldehyde in it because formaldehyde speeds the curing process. And then the, the materials in there are going to be cheap. And most of the cheap materials are not going to be exactly healthy our and quality. So, our quality. And so mm-hmm. the new homes are, are tough. I mean, I know not everyone, especially nowadays, can afford a custom home. And so these, you know, these are challenges that, that are, people are faced with. And we're, we're not trying to scare anyone off from buying a new home. We know that that's for some people, that's their only option. And so there are ways to 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 mitigate a lot of those VOCs, like the walls and the ceilings are a big surface in a new home. And so 
you could repaint it using, you know, healthier homes paint. I mean, you could, those, that's a big, big change in a home. And so, it's the largest surface inside yeah. your house. Because yeah. a lot of times the, the paints that they use also have formaldehyde and lots of other solvents and stuff in them just so they cure quickly or don't freeze on the job site. If you can, can like con- contain that with the paint, I think that makes a huge difference for indoor air quality. There's also, of course, like a plethora of things you can do for your indoor air quality for an existing home. As far as like looking at older homes, of course, the, a pro would be that it's off-gassed for yeah. a while, but a con would be that there's maybe like been a moisture problem. So you need to like really do your due diligence to see if there's leaks under the sinks or if it appears like, you know, the sheetrock looks damaged like from a, a moisture issue. And it's not necessarily the end of the world, but if so, like did the previous homeowner take care of it appropriately? Because there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to take care of a problem so it doesn't turn into a mold problem. We always suggest, too, if somebody's buying an older home, is to hire their own inspector, not just just rely on the bank's inspector. Because their sole job is to get that loan approved. Like, that's how they get paid. And so I'm not saying they're malicious, but they're probably glossing over a lot of problems. So it's, it's best to hire your own inspector, even if the... You know, the bank's like, well, I'm not going to put any, anything into it, but it could be a big, it could be a deal breaker. Like if your inspector finds something that that bank inspector maybe didn't, didn't crawl in the attic to look for, or maybe, you know, look, look in the crawl space, you know, things like that. It's a pretty cheap way to, to get a better look in an existing home. So. And my understanding too, after reading your book, is that new homes can actually have mold too, right? right. Which could be the result of like, a downpour or other water exposure during the like actual construction. How, how do you both avoid that? Well, I mean, so that you can't control mother nature. Um, you know, the, the lumber from the time that tree was harvested, it was milled and it's put on a train car and it was taken to your hardware store. It's been rained on numerous times. Uh, it's going to get rained on in the job site. Uh, the, the main thing is, is not letting it sit on the job site wrapped up in tarps. That's the biggest, that's the biggest offender because wood is wet by nature. So if you wrap it up in plastic, people think, oh, I'm keeping it dry. It's like, no, you're creating the perfect environment for, for mold to grow. And so we want that wood on the site and we want it installed as soon as possible. And then, you know, you get your roof on, you get it dried in. And at that point you should be fine. But I would suggest for someone looking at a new home, like in a say a subdivision or or a development, don't go don't just look at the one you want to buy. Go look at the ones under construction. You can get a good idea of what that mm-hmm. what that builder is doing. Because for Jen and I, our builds, you know, we're we put just as much attention behind the wall as we do to how it looks after we're done. I mean, that's those are the things that are important to us. Unfortunately, that's not important to a lot of other you know, production style builders. And so, you know, you, you mentioned the downpour and the first home that I ever did in Houston, it like, it rained for like three weeks straight. And I was <laughs> oh like, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, Houston is super humid too. I was like, man, this is like my worst nightmare. And then that's when we came up with a solution of putting on like spray backpacks and using the super hardcore hydrogen peroxide based mold killer wow and the whole home wants us dried in spray everything and it kills it right down to the roots then we seal it with a non-toxic sealer 
So the sealer actually not only helps with keeping moisture out, but it also um, creates like a, a barrier so you don't smell the, the pine turfs. Like yeah. if you go into a new construction site, it has a real strong smell, even several years after the home is built, because the whole thing is wood, it's all lumber. And that can be irritating, especially for people with allergies. So that kind of, it gets rid yeah. of all that too. Yeah. And formaldehyde is naturally found in wood, so it seals that in. Yeah. We've, we've heard some suggestions. Uh, I think the craziest one that we've heard is, is was that they should buy us or rent a circus tent <laughs> and put it up over the home while it was being built. And we're like, no, no, no. Like you're, you're not, this person's not involved in this job anymore. Like, please, <laughs> like, let's be practical. You practical know, is really important. There's a lot of so. like big ideas out there and it's like, that sounds cool, but that doesn't really work yeah. in real life. <laughs> I'm just beyond impressed with the depth of knowledge you both have. And certainly like you did so much research. A lot of this is over my head in terms of materials. I mean, I finished reading your book, but I still feel like a newbie. So kudos to you both. Um, And my other question too is, so aside from like hiring someone to come inspect for mold, right? How does one even test to see if their home is toxic? So let's say someone isn't necessarily experiencing any symptoms like Jen was, they're assuming everything's fine, but you know, h- how can we tell if someone's home is toxic? Is there a test to determine VOCs in the air? Yeah, there's meters. We actually, you can buy them on Amazon um, and they're pretty decent. They're pretty accurate. If you look for like a TVOC meter, which means total, that's one way of approaching it, but they actually have meters that like will test specifically for formaldehyde, which is obviously a big offender. Um, and then, the one thing to think about, though, with the, the total VOCs is like things that are like vinegar, like white vinegar or um, like essential oils that are, aren't toxic to people are still VOCs. And so you kind of have to take yeah. it with a grain of salt. Yeah. You, know you what don't I mean? want to like, test like right after you've just cleaned your house. Right. Yeah. Even if you use like vinegar and rubbing alcohol to clean your house, which is a good way to do it. It's going to it's going to it's going to register. It's going to register as a VOC. Yeah. So um, to that point too, can you just explain to listeners what is a VOC? It's like an off-gassing of material. So if you think about like a, a boiling pot of water, the uh, steam is a vapor. A lot of materials, once they get warm or get in humid environments or just in general, they start to cure. They, yeah, the curing process that creates off-gassing is just the nature of the materials inside and off-gassing of toxic materials like um, solvents, it creates things like carcinogens and um, things that can make people that are not previously allergic to things become sensitized. So they're called sensitizers. And then from then on out, you're you're sensitized and become allergic to more things, which is what happened to me. Um, And as far as mold goes, they also produce uh, VOCs, but they're in the form of mycotoxins. And you can test for mold, too. The Ermi test is one that we've used. It's like you have a little cloth and you wipe different places. Um, Real-time labs does mycotoxin testing for houses now, which is pretty cool. And that it's important to do that style. Like, if let's say you're buying a new home. Like, it would be ideal to take that Ermi test because it's like a little, like a cotton swab or something. And you Mm -hmm. go all over the house and you just collect dust samples on this swab. And so you want to do it before it's clean. You, like it's yeah. it's intended to be done 
to collect dust that's circulating in, in They general. look at what kind of specific mold spores are on there because certain ones are related to water problems inside buildings because there's a ton of mold outside like every day. Yeah, every and, time you open the door to your home. Yeah, mold, I mean, the mold, mold is everywhere. Yeah. And a lot of those air tests, yeah. they test the air outside compared to what's inside. And then if it's the same, like if it's a really moldy day outside, you have a bunch of mold inside, they're like, oh, it's normal. For us, we we actually filter the air before it ever reaches the inside of the home. So that test would not even be applicable. Wow, that's so interesting. So ideally, we want to buy items that are VOC-free, like furniture, paint, et cetera. But let's say someone cannot afford to do so. They purchased a piece of furniture from Ikea. Are there ways to help with that off-gassing process to like accelerate it? And I remember back in college or right after college when I first moved into my apartment, I had this wooden bed frame and my mom was on Google for hours searching how to do just that, right? How to off-gas VOCs. And she came across this article that said, if you put like baking soda, it'll help with that process. I don't know if either of you have heard of that, but are there any other things that people could do to mitigate the VOCs, like if they purchase furniture with them? Put them outside, like in the sun. sun. Um, I even do that with like new shoes. I have rubber soles. Like we have a little area in our garage. (laughs) It's like for all the new stuff. Um, So smart. Thunderstorms, like I know that sounds funny, but they have a lot of negative ions. And so like if you have an ionizer too, like running it in a like in a room with you could put it in like a little closet or something. Yeah, that helps to speed up the process a lot. And then also sealing it. Like yeah, I mean, we seal a lot of things. Like we have non-toxic sealers that are like matte. You can't even tell that they're on there. But I mean, in a, in an ideal world, yes, there would be no MDF, no particle board, none of that stuff. But like you said, like if you have older furniture that's like an heirloom or you have piece you pieces that you can't really afford to go buy like the solid wood stuff, sealing it is like a really easy way to um, get rid of off-gassing. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Noted. So let's shift to the other end of the spectrum. Let's say for listeners out there who can spend millions and millions of dollars, what is the ideal type of flooring that you recommend? So, so many people today are using all these engineered woods that just make me cringe. Like whenever I walk into Home Depot, you can just smell the scent. (laughs) It's horrible. Um, So just in terms of like, yeah. So just in terms of materials, like what are your favorite things to use? Porcelain. I love porcelain. It's cheap and it's all natural. It's made out of like stone and clay. It's kaolin. Um, And it's super easy to clean. And I mean, yeah, I mean now it comes like, it looks like wood. It can look like, yeah. Marble can look like all sorts of beautiful things. The technology that these these porcelain manufacturers have today, I mean, it's like it's it's really amazing. Like we're we're sitting in one of our model homes right now, and it's. This, I was going to ask. It's beautiful. Yeah, oh, thank it's, you. It's, it's <laughs> like this is a porcelain floor, but people come in and they think it's wood because it's yeah, got it's a, just a like really wood. wood look tile. Wow. And so, I mean that that's kind of our go to concrete. Um, like concrete floors are cheap. I mean, they basically, they have their pros and cons, though. Cheap is a relative term (laughs) to some people, but, yeah. Well, you don't have to, like, if you're building Concrete is certainly not cheap. It's a slab. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, Cork flooring. We do some click-together cork flooring, which is really cool. It can look like wood, too. 
Um, and there are certain brands that are zero VOC. There are also some engineered wood, like very select few brands that are zero VOC. I would look for ones that don't have any MDF or product award in them and also use mm-hmm. uh, formaldehyde-free clues. Yeah. And those are, you know, those are going to be on the higher end mm-hmm. pricing, you know, per square foot. You know, we're talking probably starting at like $15, $16 a square foot and going up from there. Whereas so. like porcelain is $3, 5 $7 a square foot. So it's a big difference. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm so glad you touched on to the glue part because I, again, naive me, when I was just researching this, I was like, oh, it's simple. You could just purchase non-toxic flooring. But the installation process also <laughs> yeah. has to abide yeah. by, you know, clean and strict standards, right? Including the glue and all of those materials. So that's why I, I really love what you both are doing. Um, and also too, have you heard of hemp wood flooring by any chance? I've heard of hemp used in walls, but not flooring. Mm-mm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the hemp used, there's a lot of um, products out there that are like new and like innovative, but we actually went to this summit. You can. Yeah. So the, the, I think a lot of times people are trying to blend the two worlds of like green with healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly yeah. not true. Green is not healthy. Sometimes it Sometimes is, but most is. for the most part, it doesn't really take in indoor air quality into the two different goals. You know? Yeah. And so we went to a, it was a hempcrete deal and they were talking about using hempcrete for walls. Uh, there's, there's some additives in there that they wouldn't share with us. And then also they haven't done any, this particular brand, and I'm not going to mention it because I mean, I don't want to disparage the people, but they hadn't done any testing. And so it wouldn't be approved as, as like through a city uh, permitting office. There's because, energy codes. Like yeah, You so. have to like rate everything that you put into a home into a big calculator and get it approved mm-hmm. before you can ever build. Cause you have to have a certain, R value, which is like an energy value. And they were like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, beyond the R value, it was a structural issue too. I mean, yeah. They didn't, you know, so I'm all about new, cool things, but you really got to do your due diligence. Yeah there's, yeah, there's so many out there. So going back to air quality though. So I was also surprised to learn from your book that standard practice in HVAC installation is to route fresh air directly into the home without mm-hmm. filtering first. Right. And you, you briefly touched on it before, but how do you both like approach that? The first thing is, is don't try to be an expert, hire the expert, like hire a, a HVAC contractor that's willing to sit down and talk about it and really plan and think out how am I going to approach my indoor air quality? Because it really is, you can build like a healthy home using all these products, but if you don't put that effort into the HVAC system, you're you've kind of defeated the purpose. And so it's, it's, it can be retrofitted too. Yeah, it can be retrofitted, but you really need to work with your professional on that. Uh, We purify the air as it comes into the home. It never really made sense to me to bring in fresh air, circulate it, and then filter the return. Cause you've, you basically, you know, if, if you have allergies, you basically spread all of the pollen and mm-hmm. the and the and the trees and grasses and weeds and everything around your your home before you filtered it. And so that's important to us. You want to talk about the purification system? That sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. It's like the UV lights. Like, oh, okay. or, or the um, electrified. I've heard of those. Yeah. They create a small amount of ozone, and so that's what 
ozone's people think oh ozone's bad it's not like really small amounts of it it helps to um get rid of odors and to kill microbes and then it turns back into oxygen yeah and so that's important whatever system you put in like it's whether it be the uv lights or the electrified um filters to have some small amount of ozone in your home and then the filters need to be like high level like merv 13 um i know that we had some issues recently trying to find um, ERV and HRV uh, filters because there was a lady that was having issues with um, the smells from her, her neighbor's house coming over. And so that, that was something that I hadn't really thought about is like, well, if, if you don't have central air and all you have is an ERV and HRV, which are energy recovery and heat recovery systems, they like help to balance the air so you don't get negative pressure inside the home. Like having good filters in those too. Am I, do I sound like a total nerd? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> like if you turn on your exhaust vent, then if you don't have something that makes the air not start pulling from like your um, your subfloor or your attic, or you your, like your wall sockets, your outlets, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But you know what Jim was saying about the air purification—that's where working with that professional is important because. If, let's say that that you went and you bought that that electro purifier and you just installed it, which you could. It's going to create ozone even when your your unit is running, and that's yeah. that's that. I mean, when it's not running, and that's when when you run into issues with the ozone and when like it starts burning your eyes and you can smell it. If you work with a professional, they can wire it up in a way where it's only producing ozone when that unit is running. And that way you never really know that it's it's producing the ozone. And so it's doing what it's supposed to do. And so it's just it's just really working with that that AC and heating professional. So. And dehumidification, too. I think that's important to bring up. Like mm-hmm. we do the whole home dehumidification systems that are integrated into the HVAC system. So not only does the air come in and get purified, it also gets dehumidified because like keeping it between 30 and 50% inside a home is ideal to help avoid mold problems or moisture problems. And that's a lot of that's climate dependent as well, where we're at humidity is a, is a, you know, main concern. It definitely is. You, you mentioned wiring rusty. So in a different Avenue, how can we wire a home to minimize any electromagnetic disturbances? I know you both touched on shielding in your book, could you maybe elaborate on, first of all, what that is, and then maybe cases where someone should consider using it? So shielding is kind of a double-edged sword. Um, there, there was a home that we were working on. Um, it was actually, I think it was the, yeah, one of the very first ones. The lady wanted to do like foil-backed uh, plywood around her home to help like keep any EMFs out from other people's houses. But the, the issue you run into that with is if you bring something inside the home that has EMF electromagnetic frequencies, it bounces, um, it bounces inside the house. <laughs> so like shielding is a, a cool thing to do. Um, we've done shielding on those ERV systems for a guy that wanted them, like since they're in his ceiling, he wanted to make sure that the electromagnetic frequencies weren't going into like where he sat in his office. But if you start shielding a lot of things, then you can, like even your car keys with the little like, um, or Bluetooth on your phone, like things that constantly will um, 
radiate EMFs, it just becomes like exponential inside a home that has too much shielding. So we try and stay away from shielding, but wiring is critical. That's, that's, that's kind of where we really focus on is, is like we put the, like the main electrical coming into a home. We always want to put it like in the garage or the farthest away from the living environment as we can get it. And then we really want our electricians to run in, in straight lines and 90 degree turns. If you don't want to see all these wires going everywhere in a home, because it, it just, that's where it creates the issue. We try, we stress not to run parallel with water lines. So you're not creating any of that polarity issues there. Or like behind the bed, like where you sleep. Yeah. Don't, don't run it behind <laughs> your head where you sleep. Um, you know, if you, you mentioned earlier, like if money wasn't an issue, there is, certainly ways to do it you could run it in metal conduit which is expensive. really really expensive you could use braided wire they which, use it in like hospitals yeah and that's really well, expensive i mean we're talking about doubling the cost of a typical wire so you know what wow to the with the emf um because there's two different types of emf right it's all one continuum you have like the electricity in the walls and then you also have the radio frequencies and something we've run into I'm actually EMF sensitive is like the refrigerators and your HVAC and like your garage door and your sinks and your Everybody toilets. Wants, like your everything's supposed to everything talk. Everything has Bluetooth. I'm like, why? Why does your dishwasher need to talk to your car? <laughs> but so I think the reason why I bring that up is it's just something to be cognizant of. Because again, that's a constant like Wi-Fi Bluetooth is not good for our bodies. And so if you're not using yeah. it, just turn it off. Like just turn it off that part of it. If, mm-hmm. if, and a, you know, if somebody's in an existing home and they're, they're dealing with some EMF, one of the things is, is rest and recovery. And so it would be pretty minimal to isolate that bedroom, all the circuits in the bedroom and then install a kill switch for when it's, you know, sleep time, you know, you can go in your bedroom and you can kill all those circuits and, and, you know, sleep and not have to worry about it bouncing around. So what about for someone like me who lives in an apartment where I can't necessarily mess with any wiring and I certainly can't control if my neighbors turn off their Wi-Fi at night? Yeah. There's, um, oh, what's up? There's a website they sell EMF. Oh, I can't think of it. There's so many, Jen. There's like, I know Lamb's clothing. I've heard of like Aries Tech. Defender Shield has a bunch of like products for like your laptop and your phone, um, safe sleeve. You can sleep underneath a canopy. Yeah, they make it like really. They they work. Yeah, they make like a Faraday cage Mm -hmm. canopy, like it goes over your bed. It's like a copper mesh type product. There's clothing, like you said. Some of it's actually pretty cute. Like it has woven copper, silver, whatever. All the different. That's like above my head too. Like what. Yeah, what frequency like it's broken up with what metal? There's also EMF metal or EMF paints. Um, Interesting. Is, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> go down a rabbit hole yeah. real quick with that. So. Yes. No, that's I. I find this stuff so fascinating. Yeah. So interesting. So let's say there are listeners out there right now who are just overwhelmed with all of this, and they're like, "I need to, you know, need to move to a completely different place." For people who can't afford to build a brand new home, right? If they had to prioritize two rooms in the home to make as non-toxic and healthy as possible, what would they be? I, 
obviously I think the best choice would be the, like their bedroom, their sleep areas. Uh, cause I mean, that's where you're going to spend a third of your time yeah. is in that bedroom. And so that's painting. one. Yeah. <laughs> furniture. Yeah. The painting the walls. And then, you know, if you can seal up that furniture or, or get, you know, try to get a, a non-toxic mattress, mm-hmm. uh, those areas are very important. And then it comes down to where do you spend the other part of your time? For most of us, that's going to be in the kitchen and Mm -hmm. selecting some good non-toxic cookware, you know, painting. We we always say painting because that's that's usually the biggest offender of uh, in your homes of hazardous air pollutants and stuff. So, I mean, that's gas, avoiding having gas stoves. I mean, I know a lot of people love cooking with them and you can turn on the vent, but. Um, some, like, I think California maybe is outlawed selling or is going to outlaw selling, um, gas appliances just because like there's leftover benzene and all sorts of nasty stuff that happens whenever it burns and it's, um, it's just, yeah, yeah, Yeah. nasty stuff. But I also think it's important to stress that we're not trying to scare people. We're not trying to create this, like, panic where everything around you is bad for you and all that stuff. We, we get it. It's it's know, becoming not, aware. Like yeah. every little thing counts. Like if you, like you said, for your bedroom, buy a mattress. I mean, that's, that's that third of your life. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's ways to, to work around it. Like we, we, we get it. Not everyone can afford to, to buy a new healthy home. So. One thing I forgot to mention that I love is a grounding sheet just to go back to the, um, I guess the bedroom and then the EMF, you put it underneath your sheets and like it plugs into the grounding part of the outlet. And so as you sleep, it helps you ground. Interesting. I actually got my mom a grounding mat that she, I forget the company, but she would sleep on it, but I didn't know there was an actual sheet. I have to look that up, Jen. I love that. (laughs) Super interesting. Going back to furniture, I mean, you both have such incredible pieces on your site. Do you notice the clock in the background? Where is it? I can't see it. Can you see it? Wait, hold on. <laughs> that is that is one of your pieces, and I have the wreath on my door. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Anytime friends come over, they're always like, where is that clock from? And I, I always give you a plug. But how did you, like? I guess, even first start like sourcing pieces to have on your site? Where did that idea come from? Oh. We were building homes for people, and they were like, Okay, so here's the keys to your healthy home, but then then what they put in it. And yeah. that was something that I had been researching for years as well, like putting together uh, interior design like portfolios for people. And it was difficult, like trying to call stores and figure out like what do you put stain repellent or fire retardants yeah. on your rugs? Like yeah. it was it was such a challenge that we're like, you know what? Like when our book came out, we're like, why don't we start like an online e-commerce company where we vetted everything. And like, it's kind of like going to Whole Foods. Like you just know that there's going to be like nasty stuff in your foods. And so we were like, all right, rugs, lighting, um, furniture, wallpaper, like paint, paint, (laughs) everything that you So smart. Um, Yeah. And when, when Jen says vetting, I mean, we're going to these places, like we're going you know, to the trade shows, we're meeting the manufacturers, we're seeing the products made, we're touching, feeling, you know, smelling, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, luckily we have our resident canary in the coal mine here. So, but, uh, uh, 
so it's very important to us that we've seen the people that are making these pieces and, and, and knowing what we're putting on that site is truly, you know, what we're representing it to be. So, I mean, we're going in two weeks to, to meet some manufacturers. And so, and then we're, we're going again in April. So, I mean, it's, it's a big part of our lives now. It's, it's, and it's fun, you know, we get to travel around a little bit. Can I tag along? Yeah, come on. <laughs> you both you both could teach me how, how to identify good processes from not. We, we go, go to North Carolina. Yeah, we go to Hopkins. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Let me let me know. It's not too far from me. I would love that. Yeah, we'll be there in April. So mm-hmm. Keep me posted. Yeah. So for for those people like me out there who don't understand exactly what to look for in that process, are there certain like certifications or labels? that indicate it's a solid piece of furniture like i've heard of green guard how much faith do you put into that it's it's tough i mean those those um those they focus on vocs and like jen said earlier vinegar is a voc rubbing alcohol is a voc it's not necessarily bad for you but it is a voc so it where we try to focus is hazardous air pollutants right and so that's that's where a lot of those certifications let slip through. Uh, it's if you really dig into them, which we would encourage people to do and not really focus on what they're eliminating, focus on what they're letting pass mm-hmm. and then make the decision based on that. I mean, it's a good start for those certifications. Yeah, it's like, it's a, a nice thing to have like green guard gold certified, but they allow formaldehyde. They allow like cradle to cradle. I mean, I hate to say things like, but I think the reason is because it's so difficult to find yeah. pieces of furniture that, that are like absolutely clean that they had to like let some level of like tar and like things that we don't feel comfortable having in our paint, our furniture, in our homes. So, I mean, honestly, we've looked into having like our paint certified and it was, I'm not kidding, like it's expensive. anywhere between 30 to 100. I'm not surprised. Thirty to a hundred thousand dollars for like that's crazy. a year. I'm like, we don't. Yeah. Well, that's like, for one year. So that's what I was gonna say. A lot of the stuff on our site, it's like it's like it, they're they're handcrafted pieces and they're custom pieces. And so those are like us. They're like small businesses. They're family businesses. Mm-hmm. They can't afford those certifications. So I would I would suggest people not to let that certification be the end all be all of their decision because somebody that's handcrafting a a table out of solid wood, they're not going to be able to afford to have that certification. So, I mean, it's, it's like if you look for things made out of stone or metal, with not a lot of like natural finishes, um, solid wood, then you should be good. Or like fabrics that are natural, like cotton or modal bamboo, Things like don't actually, well, cotton's the exception to that rule, but a lot of those things like um, eucalyptus fabrics, they don't require any kind of um, pesticides because they're like naturally pest resist- resistant as they're grown. So you can pretty much know that, you know, your your tinsel outfit, your tinsel sheets aren't going to have pesticides in them. Wow. I just need to like re-listen to this whole episode again. I'm just keeping it on all. Of it. Yeah. I'm learning. I am learning so much. Well, it's a lot. And I mean, we get it. And so what we always stress to people is don't don't think it's too much. Don't don't get overwhelmed with it. You know, take it 
piece by piece. There's, you know, make it yeah. a step by step process if you're looking to make a change. I mean, most people can't do it all at once. It's just nobody can. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like a way of life, yeah. you know, like a mindset kind of mm-hmm. just decide, okay, I want to improve what's around me and like how I live. And then you just take it baby steps. Yeah, it truly is. And you both have done, again, most of the brunt work with your book, which I will be including in the links in the show notes. It's so comprehensive. Again, I, I read it two times through and oh, well, I'm, I'm, still lear- I'm still learning things that I, yeah. I didn't necessarily pick up the first time around. So thank you for, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you both just build homes in your area in Texas or do you do other states? For now, we're, we're working on that. We're trying to develop a, a product to bring that we can scale into other areas we're we're working on that like actively working on that mm-hmm. and you know even kind of leaning into more of, of a development type model where maybe even doing some build to rent you know because not everybody can afford a new home and so you know having a, a healthy place to rent is important to people it's it's really tough we get calls i get i get chill bumps just thinking about what i'm about to say but we get calls weekly from all over the United States. And they're all, for the most part, heartbreaking stories. The last one we got was, was a lady and her two kids are sick and they, they're on their third home and they keep moving into moldy homes and it's her kids just can't get well. And they're like, they're in upstate New York. And she's like, please, please, please. And I, I just, you know, you want to say yes to everyone, but I could only imagine the the red tape to even attempt to <laughs> build a house yeah. in New York. So it's that's why we wrote the book. Yeah, we're trying to like you know spread knowledge and mm-hmm. help people. We also were building our first two tiny homes, and those are you can transport them anywhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so exciting! Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So. For folks who are in state near you, what is the process? If I were to come today and say, Jen and Rusty, I want a healthy home. What does the process look like? So we have a questionnaire that we would send someone and um, it gives us a good sense of where they're at in the process uh, of what their needs are. But it also gives that person, that client, a good sense of what they need. Some of the things in that questionnaire items that they might not have thought about because they're hundreds, thousands of moving pieces in a building a home. I mean, it's, it's a lot. And so we try to break it out and focus on the most important parts for people. And so that would be, and then the, we handle the rest. Yeah. That would so be, they don't the, have to worry about that, that would be the first step, you know, then, then, you know, come in, interview, tour some homes. Uh, and then, you know, like Jen said, let us do what they hired us to do. A lot of times that's tough for people to kind of let go. And so for us, you know, obviously budget is an issue. We can only build as cheap as the labor and materials will let us build. But the biggest aspect of any build for is trust. If, yeah. if there's no trust, there's no sense in even starting the project because it's going to break down. It's not, it's not going to go good. And so our biggest obstacle was overcoming what that mm-hmm. previous contractor did to someone like yeah. and, and letting people know that we're different. We're really trying to do this different. We really care about yeah. you. <laughs> and so, uh, and starting with the design process too, that's always yeah. helpful. If we can be a part of design, like whether it's working with architect or drafting team. Mm-hmm. And then from there, like we help them pick out their 
um, appliances and fixtures and everything that goes into the home so we can help guide them as to like what materials to use and what materials aren't mm-hmm. best for a healthy home. And we do that before, like we won't break ground on a house until the client has selected everything. Mm-hmm. Most builders do that as they go. We're, we're not that way. We want that stress to go away. Building a home is stressful financially, mentally, mm-hmm. uh, and then the further along it goes, it gets more stressful. And so if we can eliminate that selection process during the build time, it it really, really it helps the clients. And then it saves a lot of time too. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of, we have a saying like when we're sitting at the table and we're signing a contract to build a new house, I tell them, it's like, it's like a marriage. It's like we sign yeah. a contract. We're happy. It's our, mm-hmm. it's our first wedding day. Everybody's happy <laughs> to start our new life. And then in six months, we're going to have our first little argument and it's going to be about money. And then, you know, and then, yep. and then in 12 months, you know, when we hand them the keys, it's like, okay, we're going to just, we're going to be friends for life, but maybe, you know, the marriage is over at this point. So, <laughs> so that's kind of how. I love that. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Well, I mean, obviously this is my first time speaking with you both, but I can tell you, you have such pure intentions and, and good hearts to help people. And that definitely shines through. Well, I wish you were uh, building out of state, but who knows, maybe at some point I'll be one of your first customers. It's certainly a goal of ours. Uh, yeah. We want people to know that. Um, you know, a lot of that comes down to the higher, the labor market. You know, it's really tough to, to, you know, hire new people because our model is we're not drive by contractors. Like we got to have someone on site full time. And so that person has to be bought into our process. And, and, and so it's, it's tough to, to build outside of our market, but we're getting there. We're headed that direction. You are. That's exciting. Have you ever thought of having an HGTV show? <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, we, we probably wouldn't be able to build anymore, but, but yeah. I'm, Whatever he thinks he says, it's actually. Yeah, it would be. It might not, it would probably end up having to be like on HBO or something. Maybe not, maybe not HGTV. But we've been approached a couple of times. But the ideas, and not by HGTV, I don't no. want to make that impression, but we've been approached a couple of times with some ideas and they just weren't authentic. For us, the main thing is being true to what we're doing. We don't want to create, you know, any sense of drama, you know, in building, you don't have to create it. It's there. Yeah. I mean, it's every day. Yeah, like, that's so, so true. A challenge to overcome. We <laughs> would, we would, it would have to be something true to what we're doing. Yeah. I love that. Well, this has been such a wonderful episode. Again, there is so much in here to unpack. We could have a whole other, we'll have a whole other <laughs> yeah, episode on other specific it. topics, but this was, this is a great high level initial rundown of, of a few things I wanted to cover. But with that, where can listeners find you? Um, Healthierhomes.com. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where all the, the furnishings, the paint and all that stuff. And a lot of good info. JS2partners.com. It's our um, building website. And then social media uh, at Healthier Homes by JS2 on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, I love your Instagram account. I love your design. I love everything about it. So I definitely will be linking all of those in the show notes. Isn't it funny though, Jen, how like you came from a marketing background and you technically are using marketing in your role now, right? Yeah. Like It's not like it's a lost skill. And it's funny because I, I find myself doing kind of a similar thing. So it's funny. The path life takes you. Oh, yeah. If, if you start your own business or like what you're doing, start your own podcast. And I mean, it, it 
it's like all the little different pieces, even the ones that aren't so fun, like yeah. the business planning and like the <laughs> financials. And- Got to do it all. Having Jen as a part of the business is like, well, first, she's my wife. It's awesome to work <laughs> with your partner and, and have a good time. But marketing for a home builder is really, really tough because everyone can put yeah. up pretty pictures on the website. And it's like, how do you how do you separate yourself from the rest? And so Jen has a good knack at doing that. I mean... And to that point, too, with you guys, it's not necessarily about just the pretty pictures. It's about the education behind why you're doing what you're doing. Right? 100%. Most- yeah. I have a hard time, like, trying to figure out, like, how much do I want to push what's healthy and, like, creates wellness? And then how much do I want to push, like, what's pretty? Yeah. You know or what qual- I mean? The like, quality. You know, mm-hmm. that's- yeah. Because I don't want to scare people off by, like, doom and gloom. Like, it's just, <laughs> like Rusty said, that's not our intention. I understand. Well, I'm happy to be a sounding board for you, Jen, Thanks. whenever awesome. you need it. But my last question for you both is, what does being well and strong mean to you? That's such a cool question. Mm-hmm. You know, being well is, is for me, a, a level of stress and enjoyment in your life be it environmental stressors or, or personal stressors or business stressors. And then so trying to eliminate those by being in a healthy environment, it, it kind of occurs naturally. And then the strong part comes from what, what I, what my daily task in the, in the construction side of the business is, is getting people bought in, getting our trades people bought into what we're doing and doing it differently and, and, making them adhere to that promise. And because at the beginning it was a struggle because we're doing something different. And so that's, you know, being strong and steadfast and, and doing it for Jen, you know, having that inspiration of doing it for her. So <laughs> I agree. Yeah. It's a holistic thing. A lot of people think about, Oh, well, you know, I eat healthy. I work out. And they don't think about what's going on around them and like how their environment affects them. So I, I think being well and like having a strong constitution all comes from looking at the whole picture, you know, and your environment is something that's a part of that. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much. This has truly been one of my favorite conversations. I'm so excited to share it with listeners and I, I do hope to have you both on again soon. Yeah. yeah thank great. you for inviting well, us. Yeah, mm-hmm. Be down. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to support the show, please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and share it with others. Be sure to visit wellandstrong.com to access notes from the show and to stay current with new content. I'm so grateful you joined me. Be well and be strong. Be strong.